Scott Frazier, Scott Casey Frazier Farms, Chapman Ranch, Texas. We're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture from Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks so much for taking time to join us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, Texas Agriculture Commissioner Sid Miller was sworn in for his third term this week. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. For Texas High Plains farmers, the challenge of input cost inflation this year might not be as bad as it was last year, but it's still an issue. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. A farm economics update for 2023, including a look ahead to the new farm bill and crop insurance as part of that legislation. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that report on Texas Ag Today. The Environmental Protection Agency and the Army Corps of Engineers issued their final Waters of the United States rule. I'm Chad Smith, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Texas Agriculture Commissioner Sid Miller was sworn in for his third term Tuesday at the Fort Worth Stockyards. Miller says there are several things he'd like to see happen in his third term. Some things I'd like to see happen. I'd like to see this drought in. I think y'all all would too. I'd like to see the conflict of Russia and Ukraine in. A lot of innocent people over there getting hurt. And Miller says improving the state's water policy will be a top priority. You know, every week we lose one farm to urban encroachment, urban sprawl. But that's not our problem. We got plenty of land. We're out of water. We have to develop a universal, comprehensive water plan for our state because we're at the critical point. So we're going to work on that. Miller also expressed his support for legalizing medical marijuana in Texas. The rice industry is working to grow future leaders, and to do that, the Rice Foundation supports the Rice Leadership Development Program. Texas rice farmer Tim Gertson is chairman of the Rice Foundation. This year we had 32 applicants, really well-qualified applicants. They're selected and go through a two-year program. They visit all the states. I think it's four different trips, last trips, policy-making trip to D.C., so they're introduced to all the aspects of the industry. And right now, I would say at least 60% of our leadership within the rice industry right now are graduates of this program. So this program is really important in developing the new leaders in our industry. Matthew Hendricks of Freeport, Texas, was recently selected to participate in the newest class 
of the Rice Leadership Development Program. He is the Quality Pest Control and Safety Manager for Riviana Foods in Freeport. Farmers across Texas are making decisions for the 2023 crop. Frank Groves is the North American crop lead for Nutrien Ag Solutions. There's some decisions to be made as far as what does the crop mix look like next year. But even once you get the crop mix figured out, then the next step is what specific varieties or hybrids are you going to plant on that acre. And Grove says seed selection will determine the potential for that crop. Your yield potential is set with seed selection. You know, if you don't select the right seed on your acre, then you're leaving some money out there on the table. And, you know, we feel like that's where we have a real advantage with our customer focus and our total solution approach. You know, we have crop consultants and agronomists located at all of our retail locations, and they understand the local needs and the challenges within a given area and are really suited to be able to provide the best solution. Groves says Nutrien is working to provide seed and products for Texas peanut farmers in the near future. Production costs are still rising for Texas farmers. James Hunt tells us it may not be as bad as last year, but it will still be an issue. Yesterday, Texas A&M AgriLife economist Justin Benavides talked about what looks to be some softening for crop prices this year. But that's not the only reason why Texas High Plains farmers could face a struggle to make profits in 2023. Input cost inflation remains an issue. Just thinking about fuel, for instance, that's the one spot where we might see some pressure downward in terms of diesel fuel and gasoline. But if we look at irrigation energy costs. So think about natural gas. We expect natural gas expense to be up, and that's also a result of that Russia-Ukraine conflict that we talked about already. We expect about a 16 to 20 percent increase in the cost of natural gas. That's a big jump year to year for those of us who are irrigating out there. We have to look at chemical and insecticide and pesticide and herbicide and those kinds of things. Prices will be up compared to the previous year. The jump won't be as big as 2020 one to 2022. So I think it is still a concern, though maybe not quite as much a shock to the system as was 2022. Tomorrow, Dr. Benavidez talks about cattle. Now, looking at the schedule for those pioneer producer meetings we talked about last week, the first meeting is Monday, January 9th at the Rita Blanca Coliseum in Dalhart, followed by Tuesday, January 10th at the Moore County Community Building in Dumas, Wednesday, January 11th at the Sherman County Exhibit Barn in Stratford, and Thursday, January 12th at the Hansford County Barn in Spearman. Each meeting opens at 8.30 a.m. and will run until about 4.15 p.m. Those are Pioneer's Northern Panhandle meetings. We'll give you the schedule for the Southern Area meetings in a later report. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There are several issues that Texas farmers and ranchers will be watching here in 2023. Tom Nicoletti visits with a Texas Tech Ag economist about some of those issues. My guest today is Dr. Darren Hudson. He is with uh, Texas Tech Department of Agricultural and Applied Economics and Director of the International Center for Agricultural Competitiveness. And Dr. Hudson spoke recently to a group of uh, cotton farmers uh, meeting uh, to talk about uh, the various issues in uh, the cotton industry and in general uh, agriculture. And uh, 
Uh, Dr. Hudson, uh, certainly the 2023 Farm Bill is high on everybody's list. Going into a, a new Farm Bill year, everybody's going to be very interested in what that Farm Bill might look like and how it might impact farm economics going forward over the next five years. Certainly crop insurance uh, changes, one area that uh, folks are uh, keenly aware of. I think, uh, you know, most people are very satisfied with crop insurance in general uh, and don't want to see too much done to it other than maybe some tweaking around the edges. And I think, uh, you know, if they can keep the crop insurance program solid where it's at, that will be a real benefit for producers. And then uh, certainly the Inflation Reduction Act and Climate Smart Programs, those are uh, two areas that uh, the agriculture committees will be debating. Definitely. The use of the Infrastructure Reduction Act funding is one of the things that is sort of the hot topic right now, and, and the focus is on climate smart agriculture. So what gets defined as practices, how those uh, regulations are implemented, those will all be sort of key components of uh, whether or not that money is successful in you know, achieving multiple goals and helping producers uh, with their production systems. That is Dr. Darren Hudson. He is with Texas Tech University's Department of Agricultural and Applied Economics. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Environmental Protection Agency and the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers issued their final Waters of the U.S. rule last week, and farm groups are not happy about it. Chad Smith has more from Washington. The EPA's new Waters of the U.S. rule will replace the Navigable Waters Protection Rule put in place during the Trump administration. Courtney Briggs, Senior Director of Government Affairs for the American Farm Bureau Federation, says AFB is extremely disappointed in the new rule. This rule does not provide the needed clarity and certainty that the regulated community has long called for. This rule allows the federal government to expand their jurisdictional reach over private property. It is clear that the agencies have doubled down on their use of the troubling significant nexus test, which will require landowners to hire environmental consultants, attorneys, and engineers to ensure that they are in compliance. She says when the federal government expands its reach, the amount of permitting that farmers and ranchers are subject to gets worse. Since this rule relies on case-by-case determinations and ambiguously defined terms, it is incredibly difficult for a farmer to understand if they have a jurisdictional feature on their property. There are civil and criminal liabilities attached to Clean Water Act compliance, and that is why it's so incredibly important to have a clear line of jurisdiction. The new WOTUS rule now goes into effect 60 days after it's published in the Federal Register. We will be looking to the Supreme Court for a decision in the Sackett case, which will provide some clarity on the use of the significant nexus test. And the agencies have stated that today's rule is a durable rule, but it is very likely that they will have to make changes to the rule in response to a decision from the high court next year. Learn more at fb.org. From Washington, I'm Chad Smith for Texas Ag Today. Chronic wasting disease has a multi-million dollar impact on our nation. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And vitamin A is important in cattle diets. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TX-HEALTH.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Vitamin A is important in cattle diets. Dr. Bob Judd says it may need to be supplemented here in the winter. According to Dr. Greg Hanslicek from the Kansas State Diagnostic Lab, Kansas had an unusually high number of stillbirth cases and wheat-born calves in 2019. The problem was found to be a lack of protein, energy, and vitamin A in the cow's ration. Dr. Barry Whitworth indicates at Drovers.com that research has shown low levels of vitamin A during pregnancy to be associated with abortions, stillbirths, and wheat-born calves. Vitamin A is also essential for vision, bone growth, skin, and hoof health. Animals obtain vitamin A from green forage as lush green pastures contain high amounts of vitamin A, but as plants mature and in times of drought, the amount of vitamin A decreases. Vitamin A can be stored in the liver and will last about two to four months. Since we had the drought last summer in Texas, it is likely the hay contains a lower amount of vitamin A than normal, and cattle grazing during the summer have less vitamin A stored in the liver. So supplementation may be necessary this time of the year. However, Dr. David Lauman from Oklahoma State Extension indicates that vitamin A supplements degrade rapidly when stored. So it's not a good idea to buy a large quantity of vitamin A supplement, but buy smaller quantities more frequently to make sure the vitamin is still in full strength. Also, diets low in protein result in poor absorption of vitamin A, so we have to make sure the diet includes adequate protein and energy. Also, colostrum contains high levels of vitamin A, so make sure all newborn calves get adequate colostrum. Ask your bovine veterinarian about supplementing vitamin A this winter. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Chronic wasting disease has a multi-million dollar impact on the U.S. economy. Jessica Domel takes a closer look in today's wildlife report. A new report released by the Southeast Deer Partnership reveals that chronic wasting disease costs wildlife agencies in the United States millions of dollars each year. CWD is a fatal neurological disease that impacts members of the deer or cervid family. According to the report, in the southeast U.S., which includes Texas in this instance, wildlife agencies spend about $3.97 million per year on CWD testing. Agencies like the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department have encouraged hunters to allow their harvested deer to be tested for CWD to determine the scope of the disease's spread in an area so that action can be taken to protect the native deer population if the disease is found. In CWD zones, which have been established in parts of Texas where the disease has been detected, hunters are required to bring their deer to a CWD check station to be tested. Deer breeders also test their deer for CWD. One study found that agencies from 41 states tested more than 175,000 deer samples for CWD in 2018 alone. The report from the Southeast Deer Partnership also indicates that CWD can dampen hunter participation, which can reduce how much money hunters spend in a particular area. 
A study reportedly found that a hunting club saw its membership decrease by 44 percent in 2019 after CWD was found on its lands. Studies also reveal that CWD can impact property values. The report says hunters are likely not willing to pay premium prices for access to lands where CWD has been found. We'll have more on the report from the Southeast Deer Partnership in future episodes. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle market moved higher Wednesday as the grain and cotton markets dropped lower. We'll check out all of Wednesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw a big jump in the cattle complex on Wednesday, led higher by the feeder cattle market. Live cattle also finishing higher with February up 42 cents, 157.27. April up 55, 161.42. June live cattle up 52 at 157.35. But the big gains coming in the feeder cattle market Wednesday. The bottom fell out of the corn and wheat markets, and that helped to boost feeders sharply higher. January up 252, 185.22. March feeder cattle up 345, 188.22, with April up 292, 191.70. Cash fed cattle market still quiet for the week. Here in the South, we see feedlots asking 158 and better. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Seth Crane had uh, the first sale on Monday of his new year. Seth Crane, how'd it go at Union Commission Hondo Livestock? Uh, it sure went pretty good. We ended up with 475 head, a good run. Probably had somewhere around 65 cows. Uh, packer, packer cows and bulls, you know, the cows I thought were pretty well steady, and those bulls might have been, a t- t- you know, just a touch higher. 45 up to 83 on our top cow today. Just lots of those cows bringing the upper 70s, low 80s there. 86 to $1.11 on the bulls. Uh, lots of bulls over a dollar again. Our pairs from 850 to 1190 and just had a few bred cows from 610 to 950 Calf and yearling market, it is, you know, it was good at the end the last year it might have even been better today uh sure good to see lots of demand on these calves and they are selling extremely well uh number one end of the market report today wouldn't hardly have any steers at all most of these uh these steers would all be you know they'd all be bull calves today uh two to three weight steers dollar 42 to 170 two to three weight heifers dollar 32 to 166 three to four weight steer dollar 62 to 228 three to four weight heifer dollar 52 to 193 Four to five weight steers, dollar fifty eight to two thirty one. A four to five weight heifer, one forty eight to one eighty seven. Five to six weight steer, dollar forty five to one ninety eight. Five to six weight heifer, dollar thirty eight to one seventy one. Six to seven weight steers, uh, like I say, mostly bulls, dollar thirty four to one sixty two. Six to seven weight heifer, one twenty two to one forty eight. Seven to eight weight bull yearlings, dollar twenty eight to one forty eight. And a seven to eight weight heifers, dollar eight to one twenty seven. So good to see a good market and uh, you know just a good day to start out the new year. 
here here at Hondo. Uh, if anybody needs anything coming coming next week or something, feel free to contact us, 830-741-8061. Get me on my cell phone, 210-288-3960. And for updates and information, visit us on Facebook or HondoLivestock.com. Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble in Deep South Texas, reporting for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs finished lower on Wednesday. February hogs down a dollar eighty four oh seven. April hogs down ninety cents at ninety two ninety. Class three milk was lower. January milk dropped twenty cents to close at eighteen eighty seven hundred weight. The cotton market sharply lower in Wednesday's trade. The COVID nineteen situation in China has cotton traders very nervous. Of course, you never get accurate information out of China, but it looks like the death toll because of COVID in China is very, very high right now. And of course, that affects cotton demand. March cotton dropped 270 points at 80.44. May cotton down 258, 80.52. With new crop December cotton down 225, 78.63 cents. The corn market dropped sharply lower Wednesday, mainly because of demand. Brazil and Ukraine both offering corn at a sharp discount on the world market, making it much cheaper than U.S. corn. Demand continues to be a concern in this market, so March corn dropped 16 and three quarters to close at 653 and three quarters, while September corn was down 12 and three quarters, 609 and a quarter. Spillover pressure from the corn market pushed wheat prices lower along with a weather forecast that shows better rain falling in many of the winter wheat growing areas of the country. March Kansas City wheat dropped 28 and a half, 840 and three quarters. New crop July down 27 at 832 and a half. Soft wheat, same story. In fact, the March contract was limit down 30 cents, 745 and a half. July Chicago wheat down 28 and a half at 758 a bushel. In the energy markets, February natural gas up 16 cents, 414. February West Texas crude down 381 at 7312 a barrel. The financial markets were mixed Wednesday afternoon. The Dow down eight points, 33,128. The Nasdaq up 11, 10,398. With the S&P up nine points, 3,833. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.